This is the one with green screen caves. A green screen shaft. Comfy spaceship sofas. And not much in the plot department. It's called Underworld. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Antarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to another fantabulous episode of Who Back When, the Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doc Paz. Correct Mundo, old buddy, old pal. That lovely voice belongs to Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello. That's what he sounds Sorry, like, podcast that land. That was a bit too sexual there. No, you, you cannot get too sexual on this podcast. And I am Leon, g- total non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> Leon is a sex term in certain circles. <laughs> well, a man can dream. <laughs> nice to have you aboard again, Podcast Land. Today we are talking about C096 Underworlds. <sighs> you know what? I hesitate to even continue, Jim. What, just talking about it? it was yeah. Did you, oh. Draw a line there. <laughs> it, it deserves staying under the world. Well done, Tom Baker. You had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really I'm really interested in, in having this conversation with you, actually, because before we pressed record Podcast Land, we did agree neither one of us really likes this serial. And we had to count backwards through Classic Who. And we had to go quite a way before we encountered another poor episode. Like a real stinker. A real stinker was C077. This is 96. Yeah. 77 being the Suntaran experiment. Which was a real stinker. It really was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So why don't we jump into a bite-sized chunk of a who to summarize this for podcast land and then get into the rocks of this meal. (laughs) Let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Leela is taking the TARDIS for a spin whilst the Doctor plays painter in his smock. They happen upon the gravitational pull of a brand new sun, and thus cross paths with a similarly effective minion spaceship, who has been on a quest for 100,000 years! It seems the Time Lords royally fecked up the civilization on Minios, and the Minions are searching for a colony craft that contains the genetic material to restart everything on another planet, one they'll imaginatively call... Minios 2. However, the colony ship has accidentally turned itself into a planet over the last 100,000 years, and the descended inhabitants have naturally split into worker and abuser factions. Said workers now spend their lives eating gravel and mining in the tunnels of the spaceship planet, so you can bet your bottom dollar that Doc, Leela, K9, and the rescue and minion crew members will spend the rest of the serial running and fighting in fake tunnels to rescue the miners, overthrow the abusers, and still some genetic shit on the way. B-Scout over. B-Scout over. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. I mean, that makes perfect sense, I think, as a plot. It's not as far-fetched as, as some plots are. It's just a bit dumb. Aside from it being just a little bit dumb, we've encountered this plot before, relatively recently. The Face of Evil. The Face of Evil has the the intelligent and the caveman-esque faction, or the, those two factions battling it out. And the intelligent ones are led by an AI. This is Leader's Race, isn't it? The the face of people? Yeah, exactly. This is the Sever team and the... Precisely. 
I forget what the other faction was called, but the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Which you'd think they might actually make a nod to, given that Leela is there. Yeah, that's right. Why don't we get her saying, "I've seen this before. Nothing good comes from following a voice in a box." Yeah, I think because that's just—it's such a minor part of the plot. We don't even know what it is. It's—it's it's some kind of AI. I mean, it doesn't come up until the very end. Exactly. Pretty much. It, it, it just could be a voice-activated lock on a box for, for what it actually does to the plot. Yeah. It's rather strange because they seem to allude to a very rich culture on this spaceship planet. I mean, they've existed for a hundred millennia. They've developed some sort of religion. They have ritualistic sacrifice. They have these two factions, including one that's very sophisticated, but seems perfectly content living in caves. <laughs> and it's not until we get that sacrifice scene that we even hear that female voice coming from the wall and realize, oh, you it's like your onboard computer or something. Yeah, I'd say even at that point, you don't know that voice is really controlling everything. And to be honest, I mean, by the end of it, I wasn't convinced that voice was really controlling everything. Oh, really? What is the motivation of <laughs> that AI? What are what I dubbed space helmet heads, but you dubbed something else? Knob heads. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Which are really called seers. I also have questions about them for you. Are, are those the heads? Most of them just wear hoods. And yeah. then they remove the hoods and they're just, I mean, they're humans underneath effectively. From their minions, yeah, and then two of them remove their hoods, and their heads are—they're—they're they're like Lord Buckethead. Yeah, I mean, I—I I took it that because aren't all the hoods shaped like those heads? Like it looked to me like it was. Yes. Everyone could be a potential seer, but until until you take the hood off, you didn't know which one was a seer. So I, what is a seer? I, I have no idea. Are they meant to be robots, or are they meant to be people? Are, are, are those just helmets, or have they replaced their heads with something mechanical? I assumed there wasn't anything else underneath it, but I had no idea what it was. And to be perfectly blunt, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no right. <laughs> But that's another, I mean, that appears really late in the game and it's yeah. never explored. I think from my point of view, there is one interesting part of this serial, okay. which is incredibly underdeveloped, but has potentially a massive impact on the rest of Doctor Who, which is the fact that the Time Lords are involved in this civilization prior to the events we see. That's very true, yeah. To the extent where I don't know how it, I can't recall exactly how it played out in the episode, but I genuinely thought these minions had been gifted regeneration because they use that phrase. They use the phrase and we've never encountered anyone else who has done anything even remotely similar. Yeah. I mean, the individuals they meet on the spaceship have been around for 100,000 years. Yeah. And they've had at least a thousand regenerations each, they say. Yeah. I mean, we even get to see it. It looks fantastic. We do, which is, which is not a Time Lord regeneration, though as we often see it, because it's the same person. That's true. This is a device. There's a machine that regenerates them. Yeah. I mean, it's more a rejuvenation. It's yeah, a exactly. Resetting to a younger self sort of thing. But it's a fair point. They're the only other race that we've encountered who have this kind of technology or this habit, and they've also encountered the Time Lords at some point, or the Gallifreyans. What are the odds that both of those co you know, coincide with no connection? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Wikipedia entry actually says explicitly that they retained this as a Time Lord gift, you know. Oh, right. Oh, right. Which okay. I do not recall in the episode. No, nor I. But maybe that's something that's then been added to the law in novels or, or where have Potentially. you. Potentially. That's a pretty big deal. The fact that there is another race out there that lives like the Time Lords live. That's true. Never explored. 
Yep. Not only did they have dealings with the Time Lords, but the Time Lords, as mentioned in the Bee Scout, they destroyed their civilization. They they either blew up their planets or led to technology being developed that destroyed their planets and whatever. They, yeah. they caused this terrible dispersal of minions and this 100,000 year mission or quest. And when those two groups meet in the very beginning, as in when Doc and Leela meet the minions, at least one of the minions, Herrick, I think his name is, whatever. Not Eric. I kept thinking his name was Eric, but it's... it's there's, yeah, there's definitely a name of Herrick. Yeah, so Herrick... He wants to murder the Doctor. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, like, he's not happy No, he's a Time Lord. The Time Lords, distri- they are the reason we have been suffering for millennia. They are the reason we are de facto homeless as a species. Yeah. And then they just drop that completely. It's never explored. That's, that's an incredible political and cultural tension. That is a clash in a very confined space, and they do nothing with it. I actually slightly disagree. I think that oh. that plays out a bit better than you have surmised it. Okay. I, because I think the, the leader, Jackson, has a lot to like, uh, like about him, actually. And the way he commands situations, that one being part of that because he basically he's in the same kind of mood as herrick towards the doctor that this is someone who comes from a race that we used to revere as gods and then they fucked up our civilization yeah aka bad we want nothing to do with him mm-hmm. possibly even kill him yeah but then they're in a dire situation and the doctor is saying things that sound like he can help and get them out of it that's true i think actually, actually at this point maybe it's i can't remember if uh the tala tala has collapsed and it's more about saving her i can't remember oh um, yeah if the maybe. ship's in trouble or if tyler's in trouble but doc is saying the right things to sound like he can actually help and is willing he's saying to. i am a doctor yeah and jackson takes advantage of that and I, I don't think he is necessarily going okay everything's forgiven but he's making use of the tools in the situation sort of thing okay you know what that is a fair point but once tala has been rescued and once they are on the planet and and once you know once they're no longer dependent upon the Doctor, surely they would return to the like the grudge that they have held for a hundred thousand years. On top of which, they haven't met any Gallifreyans for at least a hundred thousand years. Well, that's true. Wouldn't they go? Oh, we thought we'd never see you again. You are, you know, you are the enemy that ruined everything, and then bug it off for a hundred thousand years, <laughs> and now you're suddenly just here. How arrogant are you? Yeah, I mean, this is Herrick's reaction. Herrick is really pissed off. Yeah, but, no, and then but he they gets also up, and he stops it. They don't. They don't recognize the TARDIS noise. Which that's true. I love that bit actually in the very beginning. Where does that sound come from? Does it come from inside, from outside? Yeah, I actually. This is why I don't totally hate this because I, I actually kind of like that crew. Yeah, I think me too. I think Jackson in particular. Yep. He he has a lot of good dialogue. The actor does very well with it. And I get, actually prefer Herrick. I think Herrick. I mean, both of them are great, but Herrick is the more interesting one. I think it's possibly a more interesting character. But but I think it takes something to to write where you command a situation, and there's a load of sci-fi stuff thrown in in a lot of the dialogue as well. But yeah. it's it's all kind of like giving out commands. It's like stuff's moving forward, and every time that happens, it feels totally believable. Unlike a lot of. <laughs> other things that happen in this serial that's very fair uh, basically as soon as they get to the the planet spaceship thing the whole thing just breaks down and, and nothing is ever recovered but the, the opening bits where it's just the crew and the tardis team yeah i think the the premise is actually really good mm. it's a serial that has so much like it shows so much promise it looks great it's an interesting premise just giving us this backstory about the time lords as you said it's. I find 
the concept of the, the inherent gravitational pull of the spaceship drawing little particles and turning it into a planet, I find that wonderful. In fact, it, it, it also, it looks so good in the beginning when the same thing is about to happen to them. Yeah. Doesn't that look fantastic? It's, it's beautiful. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful in the sense that someone made this in a closet somewhere in the BBC building. But it is really interesting until you realize, oh shit, they're just ripping off themselves now. They're, they're ripping off the face of evil and they've done it better themselves. Yeah. And then obviously lacking budget, lacking scripts. I mean, how long are these scenes of just people walking down corridors? And well, How repeated are these scenes yes, of people walking down exactly, corridors? Exactly, those reprises in the very, very beginning of part, like end of part one and beginning of part two, that is that's like a full minute and a half just repeated. I think, I think I've actually got a note in episode four where it's, it's the third time I noted with the same shot of Gar it's walking down yeah. a tunnel. So we're walking down a tunnel. We also get the the son of the older gentleman in the, the uh, one of the slaves yeah. who ducks down a tunnel and then heads right out of frame. We get to see that at least twice. As yeah, well. it, yeah. It's not the only thing that was repeated, but I, I made a note of that one just because it was it's like across multiple episodes and it's <laughs> suddenly the third time. It's just like yeah. Um, just a quick aside. Oh, let's hear it. Those tunnels are god awful. <laughs> You mean the green screen or blue yeah. screen, what have you? Yes, you looked this up. It is it is in flat blue screen. It is blue screen, yeah. But I told us to stick with green screen because yeah, it's... Fair the, enough. It's a term people know. Yeah, I agree. Technically, actually, what is this called? It is called color separation overlay. <laughs> <laughs> it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you mean chroma keying? I think this might predate chroma key. I don't know. Yeah. Or it's a, I thought a chroma worse key is technology. Just, I mean, they, they key out a color anyway. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the technique of it is the same, but yeah. I think there's various different technologies to do it. Things have moved on since the 1963 gray screen technology. <laughs> oh, sorry. Recycling an old joke. Yeah, sorry. I, I cut you off there. I've heard that the reason they did it is because it's cheap. Yep. And it looks fucking cheap. It looks terrible. <laughs> Did you also find that you were wondering why they picked this serial for the month in which they had no money? I mean, aside from the fact that they're really good at finding locations. Yeah. You could probably have shot much of this in the quarry where they shot so much else. But on top of which, why not choose this time in the season when they have no money? Why not choose to go to Dartmoor this weekend, you know? <laughs> of all the weekends you chose not to go to Dartmoor, this is the one. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I guess there must have been a tipping point in the 70s where technology can come to the rescue or maybe someone's just pioneering it and saying it's cheaper even though if it isn't cheaper. Could it be uh, that the audience in the 70s saw this and were just flummoxed by how incredibly advanced it was. I'm prepared to put my neck out and say no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I find it very hard to believe because there is nothing amazing about the backdrops. It's not like they've using a technology to show something that couldn't have been done before. That's true. With they the exception are, of the space scenes in the beginning. Which aren't using a blue screen, they're using models like they normally do. Yeah, but they have they have the green of... screen, they key it out, and then they put space behind it. Like, they put the nebula behind it. So, uh, okay. You know, and you get to see the, the planet forming around the spaceship in the very beginning, yeah. you know. that's yeah, all, all the space stuff's actually really quite nice. Yeah. It's just the tunnel. which With then, the exception of that one scene where they forgot to put the footage in. Oh, is this the, the screenshot you found? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> That's just hilarious. Footage missing. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than just lacking production value, though. 
I agree the production value is terrible and it gets to a point where you have absolutely seen those caves and those tunnels and that green screen shit. Like when they descend through the dumbest shaft ever. Uh, Is that not the lemonade bit in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Where they have to burp their way down again. (laughs) That's not how zero gravity works, by the way. You don't just like stand there and then push at nothing upwards. I love, love how they all just walk in it like it's an elevator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. Yeah, because you didn't take any momentum with you there, so you, you're not going across to the other side and smashing your head Absolutely on the other. Absolutely not. No, no, not <laughs> <laughs> Just quite happily just stop and stand still. <laughs> but so all of those things are laughably bad for budgetary reasons. The production value is just so incredibly low, so poor. But there is more to this serial that is worthy of our disdain, I would argue. The script never having been developed, the characters never having been developed. Yeah. So many things being set up and never being never paying off. Here's a thing that was set up that I thought was incredibly interesting, remarkably interesting, and that then never returned. The the weird like pacification beam in the beginning. Yeah. That's true. They don't take that out with them. No. I mean, it's a terrible weapon because it's, it's like a, di- a digital roofie. <laughs> but it's wonderful in the sense that you can go to war with this and not have to injure anyone. Like, everyone just becomes your friend for half an hour or something. Yeah. No, you're right, actually. That, that is cruelly underused. Yeah. They have that on... Why do they have that on the bridge? I, get, I mean, the bridge is a perfect place for it because if there's ever a hint of a mutiny... Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> But unless it's just it needs the power of the ship and the ship ends up being without power. Because isn't it charging off K-9? It is. Through through most of it. K-9 has fantastic batteries. Yeah. In fact, this is the thing again. K-9 just gets left behind. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little bugger. Oh, I know something about K-9. Oh, what? Oh, from new stuff. No. No. Oh. Well, okay, I don't think this is a massive spoiler, but I don't think we have K-9 for much longer either. Oh. Hmm. That's so weird. Yeah. This K-9. Okay. And then K-9 returns, but I don't know when he returns. Because there's there's K-9 Mark 1, Mark 2, blah, 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 blah. And I guess this is Mark 1, although I'm not sure they've ever actually used that terminology so far. But I'm pretty sure... Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Is it going to be a a Crichton from a Red Dwarf moment where you don't see... Came on for ages and then pops up again in a new <laughs> body and it's like, oh yeah, they decided to rebuild him. Very possibly. <laughs> I'm not okay with Red Wolf. So, there is one other thing that could be interesting if I knew the story of Ulysses. Oh, right. The Odyssey. Yeah. I don't know it that well. I've seen Jason and the Argonauts. I've seen yep. Ulysses 31, an amazing animated show from the 80s. Uh-huh. Do you know it? No, I, I made a note of that there was a, a Ulysses reference. I think it's when they're trying to infiltrate the base, right? There are actually a lot four. of references. Well, aside, I mean, subtle nods to it. Sure, sure. But they name check Ulysses in part four. I mean, okay, so I, I Jason and the Golden Fleece, that's, that's one story. Right, and that's the main story that they're trying to, that the minions are, I was going to say parodying because it's so laughable, but that's what's being-ish replicated here, right? I think Even to the point where it's not, it, it, these artifacts are golden that they are collecting. I think that's definitely an intentional nod. But His name I, is Jackson, as in Jason. Yeah. yeah. I think there is more to it, because my note is in episode one, because purely of watching Ulysses 31. Okay. And I think it's... Um, Oh, we've just been saying his name. What's his name? Herrick? Herrick. 
I think he makes a reference to it's like the gods are toying with him or something like that. Ah. And that's what I recall. I think there's the journey period when Odysseus is setting out, I assume. Yeah. I think the gods, or at least some of the gods don't want him to succeed. And so there are lots of like trials and tribulations set up against the quest. And again, it's like the quest. This is a quest. Yeah, you're right. The, the quest is the quest. So in, yeah. I think in my mind, I don't have the story of Ulysses and the story of Jason and the Argonauts as being, as overlapping that much. I'm, I don't remember these stories. I think it's it's probably just a bigger, like, Greek mythology. Sure. With lots of stories kind of put into one thing, maybe. I don't know. I remember these, I remember really enjoying them as a kid, and I had various, I had, I now realize in retrospect they were audiobooks. I had, like, stories on tape. Uh, okay. And Jason and the Argonauts was a story on its own. Like, it was a separate tape, effectively. Yeah. Had nothing to do with anything else. But the Ulysses reference in this, I think, as in Doc name checks Ulysses, says, like, oh, it happened to my, my mate Ulysses, or whatever he says. And I think it's when, either before or after, they've tried to infiltrate the uh, the evil lair by sneaking in one of the mine uh, carts. Yes, that's right. And... I think there's a story of in the Odyssey where they they hang below. I want to say sheep. Yeah, like the, the, it's it's the um, um, Cyclops story, right? So they get away from the Cyclops, or maybe go into the cave with the Cyclops. Whatever, it's the Cyclops cave story, and they escape by means of hanging below uh, these sheep, and the sheep just walk past. And possibly that's the parallel of them being inside the mine cuts. Right. As they go past the guards. Yeah. Oh, I, I think there's there's intention behind this. Um, I, yes. I'd be curious if someone who knew it a bit better thought it was well done. I don't feel like it was. I don't think it was either. I feel like it was just, there's there's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's some people sneaking into something. Yep. And then, so Wikipedia actually points out some names. So the minion race, Minonians. Oh, okay. Min- Minoans? As in know. like Minos? Minos? Yeah. It's a Minotaur? Uh, the the ship that turns into a planet, the one that they're chasing, yeah. is actually called P7E, which is Persephone. Oh, oh no way! Yeah. Oh, I like it! Jackson and Jason, we've already yeah, mentioned. I mean, that's... this should have been called Jackson and the Argonauts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it is directly name-checked by the doc at that point. Yeah. There's a character called Orphe, who Orpheus. Sure. Herrick is Heracles. Oh, uh, okay, apparently. all right. And Tala is Taleus. And... Literally, Idman and Idas, I think, are are actual characters. They didn't even tweak the names. Cool, but what about? I mean, okay, the Persephone thing that has just blown my mind. Like that I think one, that's really that cool. one's kind of nice. Yeah, I like that. There's a play on it a bit. But what about what about the two factions uh, aboard the P70 or on this planet? I don't think any of that has. And any. the computer. No, I'm assuming and the everything. I don't know. I mean, it is called an oracle. Is there's probably an oracle in? Sure. Okay. I don't know. What about the sacrifice? I'm, I'm not au fait enough with the, the story for any of these references to really make sense. Like, they make sense on a Matrix level, you know, where you go, oh, cool. <laughs> there are just various hints at various religions and mythologies. It's it's all really profound, you know, just because you get that there is a reference, but I don't get the reference. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even get that. I just get... Oh, right. Someone had some fun with some names. <laughs> <laughs> because they did not convert, like, one of the most early interesting stories yeah. into an interesting story. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to steal a story from somewhere else and you steal it from the freaking Odyssey, <laughs> yeah. 
You better make something good of it. Yeah. <laughs> not this pile of crap. Nope. Nope, not at all. Okay, one of my favorite scenes. So I'm just running down my notes here. One of my favorite scenes is in part two, when they, they are now on the planet, on the Persephone planet. They put on their spacesuits and everything. They're like, right, we're going to go out this airlock. No, doctor, you wait here. In through the airlock. Door closes. They turn around. They walk to the other door. The door opens. <laughs> they stare at it. They close the door. They turn around. They open the airlock. They go back out and go, there was a wall? Yeah, there was a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I've just had a random thought, which uh-huh. I, I can't remember. What do theirs? Is this why I thought the knobheads look like <laughs> space helmets? Because actually they look like the, the crew's space helmets. Do they wear the same ones? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. That's a super good point. I'm going to open up part two of this and find that wonderful scene. No, they look similar, but they are not the same ones. Okay, so I found the scene. There you go. Ta-da. They have one window. Yeah. In front. It's the same size and shape, it's, though. It's different detail. Yeah, it's they, they are also bell ends. <laughs> yeah. But they are different bell ends. I mean, I'm okay. assuming they use yep. the exact same prop to manufacture both helmets. But just no explanation of... No. Because that almost seems intentional. Like, we're meant to get some kind of connection that a change has happened over 100,000 years from that space helmet to whatever these seer things are. Yeah. But we don't know the connection. We don't get a hint of a connection. It's just, no, okay, those props look similar. Yeah. Blah. That's what I say to that. Yeah. Okay, something else just dawned on me. So I I was thinking, okay, wait, are they wearing these helmets because they need to... Maybe they're sort of gas masks because they keep gassing everyone. So, but wouldn't it have made more sense? Sorry, this is just my, this is the stream of consciousness in my brain. But wouldn't it have made more sense to, for them also to have had a pacification ray? Yeah, that and would to be... have used that to create devotees over the course of 100,000 years. Yeah, that would, or to subdue the workers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, much better than gassing them. Yeah, you either, yeah, either make the minion people do your bidding or make the workers do your bidding. Mm-hmm. Or both. Or both. The minion people that really don't do a hell of a lot. And one of them... Wait, yeah. who? Who the... the the Black Hoods. Okay, yeah. The really ringing some Ku Klux Klan bell people. <laughs> yeah. Like, there se- are also seriously. White Hoods. Yeah, by the way. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. There are. Yeah, like this is a little dodgy ground for the BBC to be treading here. Sure. But I mean, uh, they're not the good guys. They are not. So I, I, I think in that sense, if they're making a statement about that, then at least they're on the right side of that statement. True, true. Yeah, the bad guys of the KKK. Um, yeah, they, they're they all a bit of crap. And yeah. one of them in particular is the worst actor by a long shot in this serial. Oh, which one's that? Like, I don't think you even ever see his face. He's just like, it feels like one of the crew just got shoved into a, a hooded <laughs> costume because they were an actor short. I don't know. I thought once that Tom Baker was wearing a hood or that he was voicing one of them, by the way. I think I I had that brief thought with the very first person, and then I, I th- yeah car- I think carried on talking it, a bit, and I was like, oh no, it's not. Oh, okay, okay. So I feel like maybe just it ran out of money to the <laughs> the degree where they had to recycle actors on set. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe he just found his accent properly, <laughs> and I was fooled. <laughs> right. Okay, Herrick. What is Herrick's deal? So he has now spent a hundred thousand years on this quest. The quest is the quest. And now all he he seems bloodthirsty. The first time he encounters another person, yeah. instead of going like, "Oh my goodness, 
I've been hanging out with those dweebs for 100,000 years. Finally, I can have a conversation with someone. He murders them. To be fair, no, they shoot him and he just bounces it back with his shield. Yeah. Okay, fine. I, figured, I actually like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then he like, shoot at me. No, fuck, oh, fuck you. you. <laughs> then he, we're both we're both elbowing yeah, in the air it. with yeah. our fake shields. <laughs> oh, that was I really like that. That was really good. And then he also drops this freaking totally badass John McClane one liner into the into the radio <laughs> when the guy goes, you know, on the radio. He's like, oh, uh, God number two, God number two, come in, God number two or whatever. He's like, God number two's on break. <laughs> <laughs> But what is his deal? Because then towards the end, they have to cross this bridge to get to the um, the sacrificial chamber, yeah. which is actually just the, the same set from the beginning repurposed to be the Persephone. It's great, by the way. When they're done with that, he's just like, no, this is what I came for. Leave me. I'm going to stay here and just kill as many as I can and die in the process. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I think it's the more interesting part of this serial. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the more interesting parts of the serial, which, just like all the other interesting parts, gets neglected. Yeah. I mean, it seems really weird that they've been without contact with any outsiders this whole time, but instead of, you know, rejoicing at contact with anyone. Because it seems like they haven't been in touch with any aliens whatsoever for 100,000 years. Yeah, there's no... Detail given suggests it, that they have been. Exactly. Yeah. Certainly not someone who is a fellow minion. Yeah, I mean, this is a note I have. So in episode two, mm-hmm. before they have any understanding, as far as I was aware, of what to expect from this planet spaceship, Yeah, they see a camera and hide from it. Like, they are there to find... To make contact with them. Yeah, to yeah. find their colony spaceship and to get their genetic stuff. Like, why are they hiding? Exactly. It's like it's, it's a very good question. It's already set up for them to be fighting these people. And it's exactly. Just, Why not just wave at the camera and go like, "We're here. We're here. We're yeah. here to rescue you." It's like you need to bring out your uh, dignitaries to greet us. <laughs> 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 not the oh, where's the army? Oh shit, we're gonna have to kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> bring out your dignitaries. Yeah. Roll out your red rock carpet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could have missed something, uh, but I don't... I, I don't think you missed anything. Which is just terrible writing. Yeah. They hide. They meet one person. They kill him. Yeah. I mean, the same can go can be said for the minions on Persephone, on that planet. They've also been without any contact with the outside world, yet they don't... Oh, with the exception of the slaves. I guess the slaves, they're like, oh my goodness, the gods have arrived. But the, the dudes who are in charge, why don't they go wait, it, the stories were all true. We might be able to get out of here. Or yeah. at the very least, we're going to make... We've we've never had any visitors. We finally have visitors. We can have a conversation. You know what? I think you've hit on, actually, unexpectedly, the biggest plot hole in this whole thing oh. is the lack of understanding of why people seek power. Okay. So these minions and these knobheads yeah. and the oracle uh-huh. have the power... What are they doing with it? You've made the point already. They do nothing. Yeah. They're collecting fuel. Yeah. To do for, what? To do what? I'm assuming just to keep the AI going. And like they take a whole bunch of rock, they process some of it into <laughs> granola or whatever, <laughs> and then the rest of the rock they process because it's radioactive. They process it into fuel, presumably just to feed their god. Who is this AI? And it makes no sense. And when when they seem content towards the end to have Jackson and the Argonauts just leave and explode somewhere in space, meaning they know that there is a way off this planet. True. 
but they don't want to leave. They want to stay there because if they stay there, they can continue to subjugate the slaves into making more granola and rocket fuel for yeah. them. I mean, did we miss... No. Like the, uh, no we behind didn't. one door nope. was the or- orgy room, and they were... <laughs> <laughs> they were there with like big screen TVs and yeah. all the sex made toys they could think of. And <laughs> there's an elliptical made of rock. It's <laughs> like a rotating bed made of rock. <laughs> like they did not look like they were having fun. No, no not at all. <laughs> no one on that planet was having fun. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Unless there's some incredibly in-depth religion, like almost like a cult wherein everyone fears this AI and they are willing to sacrifice their potential future off-world for the the continued reverence of this AI. Because the AI certainly wants them to stay. Because the AI is stuck. It's the AI, in the middle. Yeah, but the AI doesn't have to be. And but why is there an AI? Where did this AI come from? Because the other guys don't have an AI. They don't have one. Yeah, I know. That's just dumb. They, that's right. They should have had one and then that would have made sense. And also, shouldn't the colonists... Like, when you want to colonize something, you want to procreate and expand the species. Yeah. But this whole... Oh, they did. That's why... Oh, sorry, I keep cutting you off. Sorry. I was going to say, the the whole regenerating, rejuvenating technology. Yeah. Isn't that quite good to have around, just in case? (laughs) You know, colonizing a planet is going to be tough. They haven't been doing... Or have they been doing that? There's no indication they've been doing that. That's true. This seems to be a normal inbred society, as we were hinting at. Yeah, but I mean, they're mega inbred. Yeah. If if they have a crew that is, let's say, roughly the size of the crew of the whatever the the first ship is called, i.e. three or four people... (laughs) Wait, is it three? It's three people, isn't it? (laughs) It's three people and... Over a hundred thousand years, they have just been boning and boning <laughs> until they now have enough people to fill a small to medium-sized office. That's a lot of inbreeding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to contemplate that. Really, we only meet one woman on this planet, by the way. I mean, there's Tala. She speaks though. She does. Yeah, that's a kind of little plus point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well done, BBC. <laughs> <laughs> and the AI has uh, is voiced by. A woman. She is. And then there's Tala. Oh, and then there's Leela. Obviously, there's Leela. Yeah. Aside from that, it's a sausage fest, including people with sausages for heads. Oh, and oh, but there are children in this. The slaves have kids. In fact, we even, in part four, one of my notes is, did we have to see that kid's blue pants? <laughs> oh, is this when Doc picks up someone? Yeah, to yeah. show that he's heroic. Yeah. I like that scene in general. I did not need to see the kid's pants. Also, the kid's pants are... They're just super duper blue, so they really stand out, you know. It's like the rest of everyone's outfit is made out of a sack of potatoes, and then there's something that's clearly been made, you know, like bought at Marks and Spencer. I think it just, it tells you everything about this production is like uh sorry tom uh when you grabbed the child uh you flashed their underpants can yeah we film that again those underpants aside from being wholly inappropriate on screen really don't look like they come from minios <laughs> yeah nope no one even contemplated no that. we're not gonna do it <laughs> are we gonna air part one without having included the the green screen footage yeah yeah go yeah, ahead yeah, just go with it yeah, yeah. whatever whatever it's fine it's it's already on its way there <laughs> this part of space is green <laughs> Someone sneezed on that camera. <laughs> How do you feel about Leela in this? I'm actually not too sure. I don't have many notes about Leela. Does she do a lot in this? She doesn't do a lot. I mean, Leela was... When she did anything, I thought she was great. 
and I thought when she had any kind of interplay with the Doctor, that interplay was great. But off the top of my head, I can only think of maybe two or three occasions when anything like that even happens over four episodes. So it was woefully underused. Yeah. There's one wonderful little scene of of their interplay when the original crew, sorry, the the the, the crew that we see first, well, whatever, the, yeah. the visiting, Jackson and the Argonauts, they go into the Persephone planets. Doc and Leela turn around to go in, back into the ship, and then they turn back around, look at each other, just sort of nod, yeah. and head off on an adventure. And that's lovely. But no, we don't get to see much of her. I mean, sorry, we get to see a lot of Leela. <laughs> but not in dialogue. No. Not in agency. It's, it's Doc and Leela actually staying together a bit more. I guess that's the thing. She didn't get a little side story yeah i guess so which is where traditionally her character tends to stretch her legs and get more agency and stuff yeah sorry about the noise i'm pouring myself a drink cheers <laughs> shot a stock sound effects <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get to see a little bit of leela action in um the center of persephone the sneaking in and yeah the going down the stupid shaft into the center of the planet yeah by the way, that's not how gravity works, right? Like, there's no gravity in the center of the planet. I don't know what the fuck they were trying to that, say. That's with that what he says. Shaft. There's no gravity in the center of the planet, so we can just float down. What do you mean? There's no gravity in the center of the planet. Do you think there's no gravity in the center of the Earth, for example? Like, the, the, the gravity created this planet. Yeah, must be fucking awful down there. <laughs> and that's where they hang out. That's where the AI and the knobheads hang out. If there's no gravity, why aren't people floating around in there? Yeah, I, I thought there was some particular like tunnel that for some reason didn't have gravity. It's meant to be the whole core. Well, he he definitely says in the center of the planet. Well, okay. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, Doc. Okay, but so we get to see a little bit of Leela action in that scene. And obviously, I mean, we even start this serial with a lot of Leela agency. She is piloting the TARDIS. She knows exactly which switches yeah. to, to flip. And she has a really nice rapport with K-9 as well. Like She gives K-9 a little peck. Yeah, no, it's, it's really nice to... To see her kind of at home is a shame that immediately then there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. But that's not necessarily her fault. No. I mean, that's just space. But it's it's good to see that she's been given that responsibility. And Absolutely. she, like, I, I think it wouldn't be expected that she could have dealt with the, the situation of a nebula or a yeah. sun whatever bombing or whatever it is. Yeah. Pulling the TARDIS to a stop and then having to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's, it's just a very underwhelming thing all round. Doc isn't particularly good. Leader isn't particularly good because they're not given the chance to be. Uh, I, I guess I agree. Yeah. Canine similar, we also said. Criminally underused. Yep. I like that Canine printed a map for them. Oh, yeah. That was pretty nice. I also like that later on we get to see that exact same map on the wall of the Sears office. Oh, was it? I yeah. didn't spot that. It's just like straight up reused that prop. <laughs> Someone spent a long time drawing uh, <laughs> half a labyrinth. Of, sort of tree thing. Yeah. <laughs> Or they <laughs> stole it from McDonald's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to... Can I jump into a tiny bit of trivia? You may have seen this as well. A few reviews now. We have been calling upon your Star Wars expertise. <laughs> Did you see this? Allow me to read from the trivia. Okay. According to production notes, the recently released Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope, 1977, influenced certain aspects of production, especially when it, it was learned that the film would be released in the UK 10 days before Underworld was scheduled to air. Uh. 10 days before. So that's interesting because I, I had noted that we are now in 1978. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the first yeah the first one is the seventh. 
of January. Yeah. It's terrible that people had to wait so long here to see Star Wars, by the way. But yeah. So people have got to the cinema. They've seen Star Wars. <laughs> They're like, man, I want to go into space. I want to see everything that has to do with space. <laughs> How cool is it to go into space? Jedi and Sith and oh my God, it's so cool. It's very exciting. Boom. This shit. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is that dude walking in a line along a fake tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, one of the worst things with the green screen was that they just didn't give a shit about the fact that they had made a, a prop that is forming the, the background of the green screen Yeah, that had, like, rock formations and different levels. Yeah, and people just walk straight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there, there's one particular scene where I think someone is already in frame yep. and the, the guards are walking in from the left, sort of diagonally in from the left. <laughs> And they just, they look like they're just walking in midair. It's just pathetic. Yeah, it, no one cared about this serial. No. But, okay, they will make up for that in the next one. The, the budget is, we're definitely going to see costumes. I remember costumes. Ooh. And I know where this takes place, so I know that there will be costumes. So I think in terms of budget, I think they're, they're going to compensate. Maybe it's because the next serial is already in pre-production and they're like, oh, Jesus, there's so more costumes. <laughs> Make more outfits and props, <laughs> you know. Because this, this was actually filmed um, in October. Was this filmed? Which, because norm- I think normally around this time of Classic Who, maybe they've, I think maybe they've jumped out of it a little bit. But they, they used to always film pretty much in, in sequence, didn't they? And not long before airing. Is that right? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think we had a moment quite some episodes ago where we encountered the first kind of, or one of the first kind of flipping around of episodes because they, they'd filmed them in one order and decided to air them in a different order. But I, I wonder if this is going to become a more current occurring thing. Well, I, I just looked it up and this actually, it, it was filmed. Uh, see, one second, one second. The last classic was The Sunmakers. This was filmed right after Image of the Fendal. And so uh, is that two episodes ago? Two or three? No, two two serials ago. Images, Image of the Fendal. But the one after this is, in fact, The Invasion of Time. So Sunmakers is the one that's out of sync. Sunmakers was probably filmed beforehand, like before Image of the Fendal even. Oh, I see. They they filmed Image of Fendal, Underworld. Invasion of Time. In, invasion of Time and somewhere. Sunmakers, the Sunmakers before happened. then at some point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, okay. Who knows? Yeah. So they, they were just a bit ahead of production, I suppose. Sure. Which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't yeah, know why that you... Rather than the other way around. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you'd be filming something just before. Maybe I got that wrong. Maybe I didn't used to do it. To no, I think you are right. I think I think they used to do that a lot. But it, you know, just to go back to the Star Wars thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm very curious. There's got to be a point, like like we've said before, that even though it didn't come out in the UK, like the production crew may have people must have got seen wind it, of stuff. Right? You got you've seen the trailers at least. Anyway. Of course, yeah. Um, but there there must be a tipping point where it really starts to be a factor as has someone been influenced has someone taken an idea has someone looked at the effects that are now possible and changed things yeah but i don't think we hit it in this serial aspect <laughs> no not in this serial even though i mean you did point out that the beginning this is before we press record you also pointed out that the the opening sequence is a little star trekky yes and it's perfectly very very true i wanted to revisit that as well because oh, let's hear it. um when we were talking about the the fact that the Time Lords had totally fucked up the Minyos civilization, uh-huh. <laughs> Minyan civilization, whatever it is, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the Doctor refers to how the Time Lords, like, well, basically, 
it predated the Time Laws adopting a policy of non-intervention, which is not basically the prime directive. Yes, yeah, you're right. So not only is it a kind of pan across space, expecting to hear space, the final frontier, <laughs> and then the TARDIS appears rather than the Enterprise, we then get a reference to the, the prime directive about the main group of people in the show. It yeah. seemed very Star Trekky to me at the start. It does, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Speaking of opening scenes, I really like the scanner, the the completely new scanner screen that shows up in the TARDIS in part one. I don't even remember it. <laughs> like the TV screen that just suddenly pops up, or pops down rather. Literally one minute into episode one. Okay. Uh, how the TV screen on which they see the nebula or the sun or whatever it is, it kind of models not the TV that you have at home in the 70s, but maybe the TV that you're now able to envision having having seen more sci-fi because in yeah. like william hartnell's doctor also had a scanner and it was just a teeny tiny tv you know like the big crt thing yeah yeah i like it it's very good <laughs> nice and as we're talking about technology tala uses a pocket calculator to determine the odds of success i really enjoy that oh yeah it's like hey tala what are you what are the odds of us getting out of here wait let me just calculate that beep boop beep boop beep boop beep boop on a handheld little pocket <laughs> she's sitting in front of a computer <laughs> You know, for a brief, brief, brief moment, because she doesn't say anything immediately. Like, the camera flips to her, it's just, and she's just going, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking this... So on an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> she's just not paying attention. Like, someone's going to have to shower her again. She's just, like, playing Snake. <laughs> oh, I miss Snake. Oh. <laughs> this uh, serial is kind of important in one respect again, actually. Okay. It's one of the few, probably, uh, I'd apply this to New Who as well, the few episodes where genuinely a lot of people are rescued. That's true. Like, we've certainly seen a lot of classics lately where Doc and Leela... Just leave. Just leave. Yeah. Uh, was it the last one even where we were like, yeah, the Sunmakers, is what state have you left this civilization? Like, they're going <laughs> to be totally killing each other or starving to death. Yeah, for new reasons now, but yeah. they'll still carry on. It's it's not the... Uh, I mean, I, I doubt this is much better, to be honest. They're just, they've taken people from a, a mine, put them on a spaceship and sent them away with some genetic stuff going, yeah, go on, <laughs> start a new civilization on a new planet. There you go. With these guys that, I mean, history has not shown that you are likely to subjugate now. <laughs> <laughs> That's clearly what's going to happen. They're going to go and create Minos 2. The slaves that they've brought along are going to be their slaves going forward. Yeah. Because they weren't on board for rescuing them. Nope. They were, <laughs> At all. They were like, they're weighing down the ship. <laughs> I'm not quite sure if that works, but you know. <laughs> no, it works. Because they have to fight the gravitational pull of Persephone, which even though Persephone apparently has no gravity whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. No, that's very true. It, something else that dawned on me in that scene is that, I mean, the Doctor has a TARDIS. The TARDIS is aboard the, the visiting spaceship still. Yeah. They could all just dematerialize. Like, there is... They are not at risk at any point here. No. I think, though, the TARDIS card is a hard one to play because it could be used so often. That that is true. But very often you also have a plot that's centered around the fact that the Doctor has been separated from the TARDIS. Yeah. And in fact, that... I mean, that separation does... Or the risk of separation does occur, but only towards the end because um, Jackson and the Argonauts 
contemplate leaving with the TARDIS in the, you know, somewhere aboard the ship before the Doctor and Leela come back. But aside from that, there is never any risk of separation. No. In fact, there are even possibilities for them to leave in Jackson and the Argonauts' spaceship. Because Jackson and the Argonauts, they just go, yeah, yeah, you stay aboard this ship, we're going to go off on, a, on an adventure. As in, what, Leela and Doc could have hijacked their spaceship? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. They don't trust them. They're Time Lords. Well, he's a Time Lord. No, it's true. I mean, yeah, it's looping back around to your point that they shouldn't have really let that go so quickly. Absolutely not. Yeah. Hold a grudge, man. A hundred thousand years. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that could have been an interesting thing just in general. Like we've, We brushed on it a couple of times. But these three people. Yep. Three people. A hundred thousand years. hundred thousand years. Were there... Was there ever... I mean... I mean... How how many thousand years before the first threesome do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even putting that aside, like... Yeah. Let's just say... They it, must be sick of each other. It happened a lot, and they were very good with protection all the time. I don't know. So They don't did, even have to be good with protection. They've got one of those regeneration machines. What, that that regenerates oh, away the baby? You, I know, don't, I don't. Oh, you know what? No, sorry. I just, it, I was, ha- having babies is n- nowhere on my mind. <laughs> I was just thinking, well, you may pick up an unwanted passenger. <laughs> I'm not talking about a fetus. I'm talking about... A, the regeneration machine is an anti-STI machine in my, in my vision of the future. <laughs> Right, great. Anyway, that all that <laughs> stuff aside, say they they get all the positives, none of the negatives. Uh huh. Yeah. And that that's just how they're spending their time. No, like, no. But when they started, there were just two of them, and oh. Herrick is their kid. Oh God. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> Jackson and Herrick, they were the ones that started off. Tala is their daughter. Huh? There you <laughs> okay. go. Okay. The air is pretty thin up here on my high horse. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, realistically, a hundred thousand years. Like, I I have no idea what the Time Lords do. Like, I, I don't, I'm not, not sure if it's clear. I mean, they have a life outside of work. Yeah. I mean, okay, you occasionally have to go into an office. Are you pleased if you have to work overtime? Like, are you pleased if you have to stay in the office an extra hour, let's say? I generally don't let it happen, but, okay, but let's when say, it has happened, no. Yeah, so now imagine, like, just, like, close your eyes and imagine that you have to stay in the office an extra hundred thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that would make you feel? <laughs> stabby, stabby, kill, kill. Yeah. No, this quest would never, ever reach a con- happy conclusion. <laughs> like, maybe this is the untapped potential of the pacifist gun. That they're just, yeah. they're using it like <laughs> constantly. <laughs> like a spliff at the end of a day, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, they Self, just lean back in there. <laughs> with the pacifist gun. Yeah, lean back in your cockpit sofa with a pacifist gun. <laughs> I love that they just have, like, sofas. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's their cockpit. <laughs> this whole spaceship is designed for making out with each other. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and also taking in a nice pacifist gun, you know, with yeah. and uh, the lights going down a bit. And exactly. the drinks cabinet rolling over in the corner and the disco bulb coming down. Oh, th- that would be a really cool scene, actually. Like, they, they hang out in the sofa... The the bar, the cabinet, whatever, the little drinks trolley is on the other side. Herrick, like, just grabs a steering wheel, turns it to the side <laughs> to tilt the ship, and the drinks cabinet just, like, rolls to them, and then he turns it back. Nice. Oh, that'd be good. I'm enjoying this version <laughs> of this serial much more yeah, we, than we should just, any like, episode of what I watch. Take a moment and rewrite this whole thing. It's a question for you. 2,000 megatons, eh? 2,000 megaton grenades. These, these tiny cylinders, which I have no idea what was meant to be in them. 2,000 megatons? They're like, yeah. like a, a, 
I don't know how many... Is, is it your run-of-the-mill nuclear bomb? <laughs> I don't know how many megatons... That, I'm not entirely sure how you measure this stuff, but 2,000 megatons in a grenade, and two of them enough to blow up the entire planet. In fact, blow up the entire planet towards the end. Why have them around, first of all? Why make them so strong? And why give them... Like, they don't need to give them that much explosive power. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, what if they I, accidentally I blow the, up en route to the ship? I got the impression that the Oracle created them then and there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this... Which is, again, another thing that's not explored. This AI can, what, fashion matter? Or combine existing things together? Like, yeah. it's not just a malevolent voice. Like, it can physically make stuff. It seems, seems like it has a little Star Trek, um, what's it called? Not Regenerator. Whatever, the, the thing that they used for food, for example. I know what you mean. You know what I mean, also right? can't think of a name. So you? they have that, and it, they, she just makes a... a a, an insanely huge bomb. Yeah. 2,000 megatons. So I just looked it up. Most powerful nuclear weapon ever detonated had a yield of 50 megatons. Wow. So there's 2,000 megatons, and there are two of them. Wow. <laughs> to kill three people. On one spaceship. On one spaceship. Why not just give them... Here's an idea. Give them a regular grenade. <laughs> <laughs> a regular grenade. It doesn't even have to be a regular grenade. Make it... it it's going into the next spaceship... Put some sort of virus or even like a computer virus in there so that when they put it in their spaceship, it then disables their spaceship, you know, disables life support or something. Yeah. Don't put the equivalent of like, every bomb on the planet in a grenade. It's just really dumb. It is incredibly dumb. It makes me incredibly upset. <laughs> and also, don't put it in something you can't then detect. I don't... Yeah, exactly. She can't even detect them until they go back in. Which, is, which, <laughs> which is nonsense. Total nonsense. Like, I don't know. The idea that this AI... It's not very clever. ...can manufacture stuff out of thin air and yeah. just... I don't know. Maybe all the sensors are broken. But then yeah. can't dispose of them? No. I, lo I love that they just all stand there. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, it, it's not just that. They detonate it. The guy I goes, oh, can you not disable it? No, you, you made it so that it can't be disabled. And then he turns something on it and it explodes. I thought you just kind of opened it up to have a look. Because we get, we get a, oh, yeah, a we brief get view the, of yeah. red crystal-y stuff. Yeah. Um, which, if you've ever seen Santa Claus the movie, made me think of the uh, exploding candy. Santa Claus the movie. Is it that The Santa Claus? Or is it Santa... I think it's called Santa Claus the movie. It's Dudley oh, Moore. Okay. It's oh, pretty terrible. Oh, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> they, they make, like, candy fuel for the Ugh. for the sleigh, and it, it overloads and blows up. I was thinking of... What's his name? Tim Allen. The one with Tim Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also not great, by the way. No. <laughs> I had to look it up. I, I can agree. <laughs> I think it might be time for a soundbite. This is from part two. I've run now soundbite 19 minutes in. Uh, Tom Baker says... Whatever blows can be sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I wish I had written that down because I should have asked you about that. <laughs> Very decent soundbite. It goes very well with uh, this one from um, K9. Penetration, you have penetration. <laughs> I think I missed that one. Um, just dialing back slightly, it yeah. is an awesome soundbite. I won't take that away from you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> is it not a bit of nonsense, though? Not whatever blows can suck or whatever yeah. sucks can blow. Like, I feel like that's not true. 
Like any device that's been set to blow can't just... That's true. ...be reversed. That just, but the thing is, know. we've just spent upwards of two and a half minutes watching him very slowly walk through something out of which smoke is billowing. And at that point, the BBC went, well, we haven't written a script. We can just reverse the footage <laughs> we've just seen. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't go back into the canisters or whatever created the smoke in the first place no it makes its way through the ventilation shaft into their office the sealed office yeah. room <laughs> where I, I i like that the seers are just standing around and the smoke arrives people are falling yeah. <laughs> like, no one seems to notice they are the worst gods yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm pretty sure he's staring right at them as they fall over and yeah. then, then kind of glances at his screen glances back is like oh fuck oh shit that our thing. office is on fire <laughs> Maybe he's been out of the pacifist girl. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, another observation. Unless you got something, go for it. All right, another observation. We start off with the doc, and when he comes out, he's wearing his smock. He's wearing the hat, and or is, is he wearing a beret? Or Maybe he's wearing a beret. Could well be. Anyway, he has some paint on his cheek, because he's been really busy painting, right? Takes off the smock, we delve into the rest of the cereal. Now, let's jump to part four. The quest is the quest. Everything, you know, happy ending, blah, blah, blah. The bad guys have exploded. Everything's great. Doc is now going to put his smock back on and return to his painting. He puts the smock back on. He has the same paint on his cheek. Seriously? Those are clearly two scenes that were shot back to back because he had the smock around. Oh, dear. Yep. I think I've just given up at this point. I, I made a couple of notes about... Oh, here we go. Is a direct reference about Ulysses. Doc's trying to explain it all. <laughs> yep. Series over. What? Sorry, no. The series isn't over. No. It felt like it was. Yeah. It felt like it's just, no. <laughs> series over, you are welcome. Yep. Yeah. All right. I can only think of one more thing to say here. I feel like there's there's possibly one thing that should be said, which I don't know if this Go for it. is your point. No, I don't think so. Go for it. But we haven't really talked about the, the son and father who... Oh, yes. Let's do it. Who are the tertiary characters that we're meant to give a shit about yeah but don't really no that guy the older gentleman he seems like the oldest person on the planet yep i'd give you that he's had a lot of fun in the past (laughs) (laughs) they're all his children (laughs) terrible (laughs) i mean the son is not particularly interesting i i find he's a he's a doofus yeah He's, he's meant to be the the link that we get to the tardis team to care about this yeah exactly is put upon he's like an injured puppy he shows up his his ankle is bleeding yeah the doc heals him thus earns his trust and now slowly but surely he'll have a little coming of age story alongside team tardis but it's desperately uninteresting the the dad idman igman whatever he is a political revolutionary he is he's the one who alludes to them having a religion because he talks about this prophecy Mm. but then no one else does (laughs) And and he is also willing to die for his principles. Yeah, true. Right? He's like practically brave harding over there. Like, fuck it. You're gonna you're gonna destroy me. You're gonna you're gonna murder me. But I'm gonna I'm I'm still gonna tell you that you're being unfair to us. Yeah. But it's also not particularly explored. Well, it's because all of that happens in about thirty seconds. Mm, exactly. So why? Like, I, I don't know if we even do. We get more time with him. Like when he's been captured. I. Th- feel like his mouth is taped up like he, yeah he's, he's gagged yeah he's not having a moment to antagonize his no you're right his captors or anything and when he's rescued i don't know if he gets any dialogue at all after that maybe he has a little bit of 
He helps them. The, He's part of the whole uh, Doc and Leela hiding very poorly underneath the oh, blanket. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he falls over to be a sort of distraction, but I guess it so. isn't really a distraction. I don't know. I wasn't even sure if that was part of the plan. I thought that was not part of the plan and that they fell into a processing machine of some But if sort. that wasn't the plan, what was meant to happen? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Like we see, we see a cart go and empty it, its That's load. a cliffhanger. The cliffhanger is something falls into the processor, right? Doc and Leela fall into the processor, I'm pretty sure. And then actually, you know yeah. what? Yeah, I think this is a fucking plot hole, dude. I think they fall into the processor. That's the plot. That's the cliffhanger. We're meant to go like, oh my goodness, a whole week until we find out whether they die, whether they're turned into granola. I, I, I think the cliffhanger of episode three is, so yeah, you're right. We've seen some stuff from the previous carts empty into something. Oh, okay, yeah. And then they're in the car under a sheet with old guy pushing them. I mean, they're not even under a sheet. Doc and Leela are both peering well. out from underneath the sheet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. And then, yeah, the old guy slips and they're left going on their own towards the same point where the, the carts spill their load. Right, yes. Uh-huh. But... <laughs> I don't understand. Like, it's on a very clear track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's about three feet left of it. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know what the alternative was. <laughs> it's not like they were going to diverge it and <laughs> go, no, Quake, this, this way to the Citadel, you know. Quake a distraction. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's off-road. Let's take this thing off-road. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this seal in general had terrible cliffhangers. It's... Yeah, it is really like pants. They, they just were nothing at all. I don't know if I would have carried on watching if uh, we weren't reviewing it. <laughs> okay. I had prepared a rating for this. I've just changed the rating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Old gentleman. He's about to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. So he's now down inside Persephone, inside the control room or the cockpit or whatever. Hey, oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> he is deep in Persephone, uh, gagged and everything hot and he's about to be sacrificed by the way the setup of the sacrifice with the candle that they pull up and it's burning a rope that's then gonna cut the rope that's gonna allow the the sword to swing down i but, started looking up the sword of damocles was the only thing that jumped into oh, my right. head. oh yeah okay but i didn't get to the bottom of whether that is a direct reference or not you know what i felt like it was just cool right they <laughs> thought it was cool fine <laughs> but that's not what i'm getting at here he is about to be sacrificed in front of an audience because oh, yeah. the the AI wants the other slaves to to see him, right? And it, the AI even asks because the AI apparently does not have cameras around. Like there's no CCTV, so the AI asks, "Is there an audience?" Yes, there is an audience. What do they look like? They're really scared. <laughs> Good. Now, shortly thereafter, we get to see Doc, Leela, and uh, what's his face, the the son of older gentleman, zero gravity ish swim downwards yep. down this shaft. Now, the, that chap has never gone that far. He's never gone in there. He even says, like, there are dragons guarding the pathway or guarding the doorway. And it turns out there's a force field or whatever. Yes. Yeah. But every other slave is down there. Everyone. <laughs> Very is, good point. Like, literally everyone is inside the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> It's not some secret. They have not chosen to sacrifice him upstairs in their domain, like in the tunnels that they are allowed to inhabit. They have invited everyone into the place that is apparently off limits. And then they just disappear. But they have to travel up the zero-g shaft to get back. Maybe there's a main entrance 
And they're used to going in the main entrance for sacrifices. The main entrance? Think, it's I in the center know. of the planet. Yeah. No. No. You've got a very good point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Another one for the, oh, that's a bit shit. <laughs> Checkbox. I recently met someone, this is a bit of a non sequitur, but I recently met someone from Blackpool. And I've never been to Blackpool myself. And I asked her, oh, so what's what's Blackpool like? And she goes, yeah, Blackpool is not very nice. I, like, I swear Blackpool must be nice. It can't be can't be as bad as you make it out to be. It's like, no, no, Blackpool is really terrible. It's like, now I get what she was talking about. Because apparently the doctor, <laughs> like when he's asked about like rock being reprocessed to be food, he just goes, yeah, have I ever told you about that time I went to Blackpool? See, I took that as a reference to Blackpool Rock. Oh, oh, I took that to be like, oh, in Blackpool, they eat rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Ignore what I just said. (laughs) Well, they do eat rocks. (laughs) What's Blackpool Rock? So it's rolled up hard stick of candy. Oh, shit. I had no idea. And then they write the right stuff in it. And it like it it turns from the right stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's multiple meters laid out of sugar shit okay sounds great and then they they put certain things layered into it so that then they roll it up really really tight and roll it more and more and more and it will just get uh like a i don't know a couple of centimeter long thing at the end of it and they'll they'll chop it into loads of little sticks that you can take away of you and it will say blackpool around the edge of it i had absolutely no idea i love that yeah okay that's that's the reference i thought it was well it could also be that blackpool is shiny (laughs) i don't know <laughs> I have also not been fluffed. <laughs> no, no. It, you are clearly right. Please ignore all that nonsense that I just said. I might trim that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So I, I've written myself some little notes to get through this mini review. Marvelous. The first one it's pants. <laughs> So far, checks out. I was tempted to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's pants, 0.2. <laughs> it, it, I could go with that, to be honest. I think <laughs> we do need to expand a little bit, though. It's Why is it pants? Because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Because it's very dull. Yep. Because the latter plot is an entire recycling of previous classics. You, you made this point better than I have done. There is so much of it that is underdeveloped or just unexplained because either the writers didn't give a shit or the editors didn't give a shit or everyone didn't give a shit. I don't know. But ultimately, we don't give a shit because it's not explained. Correct. About the only positive thing I think I can kind of get out of it is that I did find the opening bits with the spaceship crew quite interesting. I, I liked a lot of that interplay. I liked Herrick and not Jason Jackson in particular. I think Lady Spaceship Crew. Ta- Tala. Tala, that's it. You sexist. Lady Spaceship Crew member. <laughs> As I'm about to go on, <laughs> was underused. Uh-huh. Um, which is unfortunate. But otherwise, there there are some interesting things in those first, things, first, first scenes with just the TARDIS team and the spaceship team, the pacifist gun, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it's all just thrown out the window and fuck knows what happens for the rest of it. (laughs) So I was feeling generous, actually, when I first wrote down a number. I was thinking, you know what? There's nothing here that's that terrible. It's just pretty bad and lazy. I actually wrote down a (gasps) 1.5. I had written a 1.5 before we sat down tonight. And I adjusted it in my head mm-hmm. as we were talking, 
and I was I was basically hovering around below ones. Now I must confess, podcast land, we had a quick little moment off air mm-hmm. because I didn't I didn't want to be much higher than Leon on this. I must I must admit <laughs> I I like I like us being on the same page in, in sure. particular, but also I don't want him to rate this shitter than I would because <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> So I decided to, and also the fact that I, I really can't write positive notes about it. Like, it's just, it's just dull and crap. So I took it under the one and I just left it at 0. 0.9. 0. 0.9. Nice one. I, I am uh, flabbergasted that, it, that you also started off with a 1.5. As did I. That, that's what I'd written down. Before you even arrived tonight, I'd written 1.5. And maybe halfway through our recording tonight, uh, whenever I said, like, oh, you know, I'm just going to change it. I think I may even said that on air. Yeah, I slashed points off it at that yeah. point. But yeah, all right. It's okay. 0.9. I like it. That's a solid rating. Here are my bullet points-ish, uh, as you pointed out. It's cheap. The The budget cuts really made themselves felt in this one. And as I said, like it feels strange that they chose to make this serial when they had no budget. Why not make one that is just set in a dark room or yeah. set, make a, do something that is set in, a, in an office in, the, in 1978? <laughs> but yeah, so for that reason, it's, it, it shows. Yeah. And, and not just that, the script is also lacking in places, visibly so given the extended reprises. We already talked about this, the long shots of people walking down green-screened caves and so on and so forth. This didn't have to be a four-parter. could very happily have been a two-parter. The aliens, they're fine, but underdeveloped. I don't know anything about these these cultures. I agree with you. I kind of related more to the aliens that we meet in the beginning and the minions, the the uh, Jackson and the Argonauts, but the rest of them, yeah, take them or leave them. The evil computer, however, is not fine. In fact, the evil computer is not, pardon the expression, fleshed out. <laughs> At all, in fact. Uh, and ultimately, I couldn't care less about its motivations or, or this plot in general. Doc, pretty great, as always. He's heroic to boot. But it is a pity that he doesn't get many opportunities to shine or to flex his cerebral muscles. There's not much in the science department. In fact, the suck and blow scene might be the only scientific moment he gets, really. Oh, that and he talks about zero gravity for a second, even though it makes no sense. If he had 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 that chance, then they could have filled some of those gaps, some of those silences, and that would have elevated the serial. Same goes for Leela. Leela was very distracting at times and a really good companion as always but she too had been toned down in favor of those meandering shots which is a total bummer given that we only get one more serial with her and actually looking over my bullet points i now realize i didn't even mention k9 in my bullet points it completely escaped my mind that k9 was in this and that's another shame i love k9 have more k9 Anyway, all in all, I can't give this a particularly high score at all. It was just done so much better in The Face of Evil and in in many other serials and that. And for that reason, I changed my 1.5 halfway through this evening into a 0.6. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Great. I'm really hoping that the listener minis that we received aren't like, best serial ever. (laughs) 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 4.2. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Right, oh, we have arrived at the listener mini section of this podcast episode, and we are starting off right out the gate with Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Paul. How you doing? Nice to hear from you again. Paul says, 
underworld blended a mythological quest with familiar elements. The Doctor, Leela, and K-9 joined the Minions' quest for spaceship P-7E after tracking the ship to a forming nebula at the universe's edge. They found the Oracle ruled P-7E from the Citadel to which seers were admitted, but not slaves or guards driving them. Minion leader Jackson paralleled Argonaut leader Jason, searching for the Golden Fleece. It hung on a tree a dragon guarded at the end of the world. Ah. P-7E referred to the underworld's queen, Persephone, and a map showed its layout resembled a tree. Hmm. The Citadel's force field was called a dragon. Other mythological references included the suspended sword of Damocles. Oh, what is that? Okay. In a ceremony, the Doctor disrupted and the minion names. Herrick's echoed Strongman and Argonaut, Heracles. Nice one. Taking us to task here. Very good. Excellent stuff, Paul. Paul continues. The story looks dark because action occurred in tunnels rendered with color separation overlay. The BBC's 1970s green screen. Minion shield guns were fantastic, but other familiar story elements seemed dull. The Doctor outwitted and blew up a megalomaniacal computer, switching bombs for the Minions' race banks. Sears, being robots, was unexplained apart from their typically high standing compared to slaves. Also, neither ambitious, cost-saving special effects, nor Greek mythological references enthralled viewers. No, they did not. Absolutely not. He confirms that the Sears were robots. Lord Buckethead. We have confirmation. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Paul. I am still super curious about your rating, though. Yes, next time. Podcast Land, if you are not Paul, pester Paul for a rating online. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Uh, Paul can be found at Wordsmith Paul. Good stuff. Thanks very much. Next up, it's Peter Zunich, the Zunmeister. Hello, Peter. Hello there, Peter. And Peter, I have to say, we've already seen the rating you've given us. <laughs> 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 All right, here we go. <laughs> and we strapped it. <laughs> Peter starts. It's amazing how such a simple story could house such complex concepts. On the surface, we get find the target, overcome baddies, save people. Deep down, we get the prime directive, pacification weaponry, star formation, euthanasia. Do we? Okay. Gravity assist, the coolest one line about how a weapon works ever, overly literal artificial intelligence, oppression, <laughs> and not losing sight of who a leading body serves. All of these concepts and more are tackled with such a light touch they're almost unnoticeable. Yeah, I didn't notice them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or unexplained. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. As viewers, we are torn because the single-mindedness of the quest and where it leads them is pure insanity, and yet we sympathize in its importance. It's only made more interesting by a backstory that's mostly hinted at, but in most cases never directly discussed. Leela gets the award this week, says Peter, from her emotional backlash after the pacification gun to the way she nurtures Idas. Her confidence in gr is growing, and she is more secure than ever. Heck, she even touches buttons on the TARDIS console like she knows what she's doing. The downside this week comes from the effects department, who failed to properly light the green screen and the people in it. The weapons fire is also dopey slow and totally inconsistent. They must have spent all their time on the space scenes, which are by contrast great. I agree. I love the world it's building here. I could go on about this story, but you know, wait for it. The quest is the quest. I'm truly pacified, <laughs> says Peter. And he gives this, drum roll please, 
4.2. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Peter, I think I think we know the words that are coming. <laughs> you have a huge heart. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things that you said are completely true, but I I just feel like that that's the potential. That's not what what they achieved. That's the potential. But I I admire your heart for seeing all of that juicy Doctor Who goodness in the serial. Indeed. Peter is not available on Twitter, but and I'm sure I've said this before. If you're into uh, Minecraft, head on over to Amazon and look for Mindcrafting, and you will find uh, some pretty awesome Minecraft books by Peter Zunich himself. Very good stuff. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Thanks again, Peter. Next up, we've got Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. My goodness. So big. (laughs) (laughs) Michael this week is starting with some likes. First being, the quest is the quest. Is now my fallback argument in meetings when confronted with accusations of my general incompetence. (laughs) Next like. Interesting hints of a backstory on Time Lord cock-ups and Time Lord tech. Emphasis on hint. (laughs) But definitely true. Bring out the gimp, baddies. (laughs) 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 Ah, the old switch the gene bank with a hand grenade Drake. (laughs) Touché, Doctor. The seventh Doctor nods in approval. (laughs) Hints of minions. Are they actually called minions? This is really throwing me now. Yeah. Okay. You're thinking of the little yellow guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Hints of the minions having a disturbing eugenics of racial purity ideology. Jackson wanting to kick the descended slaves off his ship at the end. Though not explored further, presumably at risk of getting too interesting. (laughs) Michael then continues with some dislikes. (laughs) First dislike. Familiar descendants from a spaceship and rebel uprising themes, both done much better only a few stories ago. Yeah, that's Face of Evil, exactly. I rarely take issue with ropey special effects, says Michael, and the green screen effects are strangely hypnotic when producers remember to put the effects over the screen. (laughs) (laughs) But why didn't the producers use a real cave? Or make reuse a studio paper mache cave? Yeah. (laughs) Good question. Uh, And last dislike, hide badly in the minecart. Worst plan ever. Quite. And in summary, a rehash of interesting ideas, but not a great serial and certainly not a sci-fi upgrade of the myth as promised. We'll have to wait a few stories before bonkers Horns of Nimon delivers in that arena. Mm -mm. Drunkenness requested for that review, please. Oh. (laughs) We may be able to deliver. Oh, absolutely. Let's maybe record that on a Friday or Saturday, shall we? (laughs) He continues with a tribute. No, not to the return of Leela's dress, but to Daily Motion. With Britbox, farewell to watching Classic Who on an inverted teeny tiny screen or at one and a half speed with Croatian subtitles. And he gives this a rating of 1.3 out of 5. Weird fetish clad baddies getting zapped by an overly gleeful Herrick. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you very much, Michael. People who are not Michael, say hi to Michael, why don't you? He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. No more underscores. Thanks, Michael. So big. And no more Underworlds, because we're never going to watch it. No, never. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Michael. (laughs) Sorry again, Peter Zunich. Next up, we've got Daniel, a.k.a. Doctor in Waiting. 
Hello there, Dr. Waiting. Hello, hello indeed. Uh, and might I say, we, we've been sipping on some more cherry liqueur tonight, so thank you again. Mm, thank you. Uh, right, Daniel starts his review with, The quest is the quest. The, that sentence got old really fast. I had seen this story a long time ago and didn't remember it fondly, though the Tom Baker era has so many great stories, it's no wonder it sits in the obscurity of my memory. Expecting to be disappointed, I found myself being equally excited and frustrated throughout this serial. Highlights. Regeneration pod. Insert one old woman. Retrieve beautiful young blonde. When will these be available from Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> some great... Some... Oh. What? We get some great Time Lord lore that they helped less developed civilizations until they screwed up the minions and developed a non-interference policy. Hmm. Dislikes. The repeated use of green screens for most of the on-planet sequences. The background looks like a collection of crystallized rock from a fossil shop. Would anyone have objected to a reuse of the Wookiee Hole Caves from Revenge of the Cybermen? Not at all. The result is unconvincing and uncomfortable to my eyes. I also found the swirling nebula was glazing out front of the TV. Perhaps I need an epilepsy test. I don't know. Oh, maybe. If, if you're questioning it, maybe it's worth getting checked. We're not doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor in <No>. waiting. <laughs> so maybe better safe than sorry. Go for it. <laughs> and continuing, the special effects were mixed. Even taking into account 1970s technology, the rocks forming a planet around the spaceship looked like painted popcorn. <laughs> I actually really like that effect. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Overall, he says, I reveled in the exciting, well-paced story and felt the actors had invested in the roles they were playing. However, the green screen special effects ripped me away from being emerged in the story every time they were shown. And thus he gives this a rating of what, Jim? 2.8 quests out of 5. Wow. Wowee. Holy moly. I feel like that's a big heart as well. Just uh, not quite as big as Peter Zunis. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. As for your PS, no, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you... People in podcast land, you're going to have to read this on the website to yeah. know what Leon is referring That's to. That's right. Head on over to whobag1.com. Read Daniel's review in its full splendor. I'll add as well, uh, Daniel's mentioned that he recently attended the Time Lords event at the National Space Centre in Leicester, 25th to 26th of, of Jan. I hadn't even heard of this. I didn't know Me that it was neither. happening. He says, great events, guest appearances by Colin Baker, Paul McGann, etc., etc. It sounds like a fantastic little sort of mini Doctor Who convention. Would have loved to have attended Doctor in Waiting and anyone else who happens to be in attendance next year. Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty good chance we'll be there as well. We'll mark our calendars. Cool. Right. Okay, so thanks very much, Daniel. Let's move on. Next up, we've got Paul Warren. Hello there, Paul. Sup, Paul. Paul starts. Underworld starts by ticking several boxes in episode one. Mm. Leela demonstrating, or pretending to have, knowledge of how to use the TARDIS console, a great spaceship set, mm -hmm. some decent guest actors, especially Alan Lake. Ooh, who's Alan Lake? I'm looking it up. Oh, he's Herrick. Ah, yeah, I, I agree. I beat you. <laughs> and a cool shield gun. Yeah, badass, actually. We're all set up for what appears to be a decent story based loosely on Jason and the Golden Fleece. Alas, it quickly falls down from episode two onwards, largely due to the overuse of CSO. This is often cringeworthy in other stories, but at least it only lasts a couple of minutes, and you soon forget. 
having three episodes of actors walking through the scenery, quote-unquote, because they don't know where it starts and ends just looks terrible. The seers probably looked daft on original transmission, but now I just think of the minions from Despicable Me. (laughs) The fact that there is a race called minions in the story doesn't help. It does not help. (laughs) Paul continues, about the only funny moment comes with Tom Baker ad-libbing, whatever blows can be sucked. (laughs) That was an ad-lib, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Which makes you forget for a minute the amount of padding added by showing the smoke blowing clip again and again. And again. Worth it. Overall, he says, there's a good story in here somewhere, but it's let down by poor execution and a budget low even by classic Who standards. And he gives this a rating of 2.5 out of 5. Straight down the middle there. That's right. Nice one. Excellent mini, Paul. Very, very good. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, People who are not Paul, say hi to Paul. He can be found on Twitter at pwearin. That's right. Cool, that's it for Listener Minis this time around. Thank you, everyone who sent something in. And you're a lovely bunch. Mm-mm. What have we got coming up next, Jim? Next in New Who, we will be having Time Heist. That's right. Good one. I seem to recall that being a good one. Yeah, yeah, same here. After that, we're back in classic country with the invasion of what, Jim? Time. Good stuff. Like, and at some point... That's oh, a good title, I have to say. Like, I, I don't know anything about it. The invasion of time? But Totally. That, that I don't remember that being part of the plot. Oh. Here's what I'm gonna, okay, you know what? Here's something I'm going to do ahead of the next one. Because I feel like I remember a lot of things. I'm going to make a bullet point list of everything that I remember. Ooh. And, and we'll see if it's in any way <laughs> similar. Anyway, at some point, we'll probably also do another audiobook review. Because, holy moly, we really want to know how that story continues. And the next one in line is The Book of Kells. So look forward to that as well. And in the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Jim, you're on Twitter, right? That's correct. I can be found at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the... I'm sorry, what now? Jimmy the Who. Excellent branding. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Plonken. Spell it as you think it's spelled. No. <laughs> Not going to. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You have been a wonderful audience, as always, Podcast Land. Until the next time, rock on, be rad and excellent to each other, and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?